0: To the Fast Brackets podcast, where we highlight the cars and stars of top sportsmen and top dragster drag racing. I am your host, Rex Simmermaker, coming to you from the heart of Indianapolis, the racing capital of the world. Welcome to the show, guys, girls. Today is episode number 68. It is the third week of May 2021. And right off the bat, I have to tell you, this left lane driving is still an issue. I mean, it's still an issue. Driving this week, this is how nuts we are with this whole situation. This week, um, I was driving along, um, I'm in on the highway, I'm on the left lane, I come up on a car who is, of course, hanging out in the left-hand lane. They see me in the mirror, the rearview mirror they see me coming up. They are nice enough, I guess, instead of making me pass on the right hand side to move over into the right lane so that then I can pass without changing lanes. And then after I go past them, what do they do? They go right back in to the left lane. So I don't know if this is really progress, people. I just don't. I don't know if Uh, The fact that people are hanging out and then they realize that they're not doing the right thing, um, and then they, you know, kind of make the correction and go right back to doing what it is they're doing. I'm, I I guess, in some way, shape, or form, that is progress, but we've still got a lot of work to do. And to be fair, I think there is just generally mass confusion out there. Um, Certainly. People are just generally confused the mask are one thing? I mean, who knows? I mean depending on what side of the street you live on, the rules are different. So can you wear a mask inside, outside, uh, you know, in in a restaurant, in a uh, bar, outside, at the drag strip, wherever and it just the rules are just different for every single situation. and it's hard to know. It is hard to know. so maybe, I shouldn't be so hard on people who don't know the difference between the right and the left lane on a highway. So I don't know. Um, but I am going to need all of Fast Brackets Nation to really step up and do their part to stop the left lane slowness uh, if if you will. Um, we've We've got some real issues out there, and I think we can all do our part. So if you want to nominate someone, to be the official Fast Brackets Left Lane Patrol. Just hit me up and I will get the deets out to them on what is all that is required of them. The rights and responsibilities of said patrolmen or women as it may be. Um, So that said, after we've got that covered, I um, will just tell you that I am flat out excited to have on two incredible guests today. First up, Ronnie Proctor, former NHRA top sportsman, world champ, is going to join us. And then Eric Saffel, the director of drag racing at AFCO Racing Products, comes back on the show. So those guys are going to be absolutely fantastic. I know you're going to love them. So let's do it. Get to doing whatever it is that you do while you listen to the show. Make your commute to work. Clean the shop. Work on the old heap, but metaphorically speaking get your helmet on, get strapped in, because here we go. All right, let's make a pass, let's get these things hot, let's put this in the water box. And let me say this, Uh, people have sometimes asked me why I have addressed certain political issues over the past year or two. Um, Maybe more so than uh, even I would like to address those. And mostly I respond with, because there was no other way to address the issue. Uh, And I am not a person that runs from the facts. I try very hard to deal with reality on reality's terms. So on occasion, I get drug into what become political conversations. And at that point, I am forced to speak the truth about what is really happening in our world, i.e. certain politicians have clearly had their brains removed in an effort to regurgitate the insane lies, and that must be painful uh, for anyone with a fully functioning frontal lobe to recite. Uh, That is why I am regularly urging you to buy Bitcoin, Even with the dip here recently, take vitamin D to get and stay as healthy as you possibly can because inflation is absolutely going to skyrocket and sound money is the only inflationary hedge. So uh, use that to your advantage, I would say on that point. If you are itching to buy new race car parts or for that matter, a whole new race car, you can legitimately make the argument to your spouse that the best time to buy new race cars or parts, etc., is right now before the prices spike and the dollar is eroded. It's, it's better to buy that stuff than leave it in cash and um, have it go away anyway. So, um, you know, use that to your advantage, um, but we're going to get inflation and sound money is the hedge. And I want everyone to, uh, you know, be in a good position after all this stuff is going on. So I talk about that stuff. Also, the Rona uh, is proving a significantly less. I mean, it's just it, the data is coming up. It's proving significantly less deadly to anyone with a healthy immune system, healthy weight and adequate levels of vitamin D. Those are the facts. So I urge you to do those because I want what's best for you um, and I want you to have a successful future and I want you to be able to race as much as you possibly want going forward. But the other part of why I sometimes get political is because our politicians lose their minds and forget why they were elected in the first place. Hint, it was not to enact their ridiculous agendas um, it is to uphold the constitution and defend what our great country is all about and part of what our great country is all about is creating and modifying things that we are interested in to become something even greater than what was originally intended and that's where we have a problem uh, with the epa The current EPA um, is trying to restrict our rights to convert a car that we own, have bought with funds we paid income tax on, then paid sales tax on, to own said car, which then we are legally and rightfully allowed to do with it what we want. The EPA is trying to change that and say that we can't. We can't convert a non-race car to a race car. Uh, in the simplest terms, something that we have bought into something that we want it to be, that we own. Uh, they are saying we don't have the right to do that. And quite simply, there should be no such thing or there would be no such thing of as racing if that rule is in place for the last 70 or 80 years. That um, not only does it infringe upon our rights, but it if that was in place, there would be no racing. That wouldn't be a thing. Um, The whole racing was built on the premise that we're going to take what we have and make it better. So with that said, I am urging all of you to sign the petition that supports the RPM Act of 2021. The RPM Act of 2021, uh, as it's written here, is a common sense bipartisan legislation to protect Americans' right to convert street vehicles into dedicated race cars in the motorsports parts industry's ability to sell products that enable racers to compete. The bill clarifies that it is legal to make emissions related changes to a street vehicle for the purpose of converting it to a race car uh, used exclusively in competition. It also confirms that it's, illegal to, it's legal to produce, market and install racing equipment. The RPM Act reverses the EPA's interpretation that the Clean Air Act does not allow a motor vehicle designed for street use, including a car, truck, or motorcycle, to be converted into a dedicated race car. So you see what's happening here. The EPA says, we've got this law in the books that says the Clean Air Act needs to um, be in place, and so that doesn't allow you to modify cars that are built by the factory. The RPM Act says... uh, Yes, it does. We own those things. We're allowed to do that and allow us the right to do that. Um, Just so much that if the Clean Air Act was interpreted as the EPA is trying to do so now, that would have been problems for our whole industry and would have rightfully stopped in the track. So, if you are listening to the show, you know how much this would impact our sport. I mean, the most, the majority of us either got into it or still have cars that were originally streetcars, um, So I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna post the link to the Fast Brackets podcast page, um, Facebook page, and please do this. Go on the site and uh, send the note to your senators and representatives. It's pre-printed, so it literally takes less than 30 seconds to send off to your specific congressman or congresswoman. It's, it's, uh, it's really a nifty setup. You just go on there, you confirm your name, Everything clicks send and it goes right to the person who it needs to go to. Um, And truthfully, if it takes you more than a minute, something has gone wrong to do that. So um, I'm also going to ask all of you to share my post uh, with all of your friends so that we can get the word out in the racing community and continue to stand up for our rights. Um, Because if we don't, it could be a real problem for our whole industry. Um, You might have done this last year, actually, too. Let me repeat this do it again because this is another version uh, that has kind of been revised and we need this one just as much if not more Uh, we need probably more support for this one than we did the last time Um, and it's important so please share that post Um, send the note to your congressman congresswoman about that and get the word out to everyone you know that our rights as u.s citizens are being infringed upon So that some beanie-hatted moron that has never turned a wrench in his life can feel good about himself, even though China pollutes more on an annual basis than all of the vehicles in the U.S. put together. Um, And don't get me started on the volcanoes or even something that we can actually control like commercial fishing. Which, if you you don't know anything about commercial fishing, I mean, ultimately commercial fishing is the biggest contributor to global warming on the planet. Uh, there's a great documentary on Netflix right now called Seaspiracy. If you really want to have ammo in your pocket the next time someone with a hacky sack tries to sell you, you know, make you sell your race car and uh, hug a tree, have them watch that, Seaspiracy. And then you'll have all the data you need and you'll realize that what we are doing while as an environment maybe isn't uh, isn't overly helpful, It's not nearly the problem that these other things are, and this is like uh, really trying to find worry about the needle in the haystack here. So in either event, uh, let's all do our part and do the easiest thing you'll do all day um, really that will seriously make a difference in our lives as racers, in the lives of racers who will be here after us. Uh, So please go to the Facebook page, the Fast Brackets Podcast Facebook page. Complete the quick petition that will take you about 15 seconds and share it with everyone so we can continue to love and use our sport uh, that we all care about so, so much. All right, let's put this thing in the beams. On with us now from Harper's Ferry, West Virginia. He's your former NHRA top sportsman world champ. And he recently is coming off the NHRA Top Sportsman National Event Championship run in Charlotte this past weekend. Welcome to the show, Ronnie Proctor. Ronnie, how are you today?
1: I'm excellent. Thank you very much.
0: Now, well, thanks for coming on. Um, you just had a, um, another nice win here in Charlotte, um, certainly, you know, have a uh, no stranger to the winner circle there coming off your, your history over the last uh, several decades. But before we get into that, let's, let's go way back. Let's, let's talk about how you, you got into this addiction of drag racing. You want to talk about the start?
1: Yeah. Uh, I had a, uh, a fella from down around Frederick, Maryland. He, uh, he had this, 57 t-bird called the thunder chicken had a chop roof and on and he asked me if i'd like to drive it <laughs> sure mm-hmm. so uh went over at mason dixon and had a clutch in it and went a whole 12:49 and it was still one of the most exciting rides i ever had down the track and then after that i was hooked, hooked. it
0: doesn't take long does it like it's just kind of that no. you do it one time and it's in you
1: oh yeah it you either like it or you don't and uh and I I work from that up to where I'm at now and and uh for sure where I'm at now is the most exciting every run down a track's exciting. It's not uh it's not like out there running nine fifties or eight fifties or you know, uh it seven fifties even, you know, a runoff hundred runs seven fifth or a thousand runs going seven fifties and it got to where it was just you know just a riding a park but this thing it's uh out of control sometimes not really out of control but it's on the edge and it feels that way when you're sitting in the seat but love it i'll probably love it till i die (laughs) i like it
0: yeah because you're you're running right in that uh high 650 range right now is that right
1: Yep. usually what you yep. your dial. I've a, yep. I've been a 647, uh, 215 with my 706 uh, SVO motor. So uh, okay. two systems, my two engines that I have are real durable. Um, they have to be because it's Karen and I, you know, so I can't be working on it, checking valves every run and all that stuff. So uh, anyhow, we made it real durable and they really run really, really well.
0: So it was 706 with two kits.
1: Yep.
2: Yep. Okay.
1: Yep. And I have a 630 the 632 is what I I hurt my 706 in at the Gators last spring, that last year. And uh between the covid and the parts and everything, we've been working a long time just trying to get the stuff to put it back together. So I've had my 632 in there and uh and it's it's pretty good piece, you know. To run uh, uh, a medium, I've run a 34 jet and a 26. Okay, and non and non mine shaft air is pretty good for a 632 and a almost 2500 pound car. That's really impressive. Really good. Yeah, we're really happy with it.
0: Yeah, that's uh and and talk us through the rest of that car because it's uh, you've had a you got a lot of wind lights with that thing, Mm -hmm. but uh, talk talk us through the rest of that car.
1: I uh, I had a O two Jerry Haas car. It used to be Brian Gaines' ex uh, Mountain Motor World Champ car. And at, at Charlotte, it broke an axle and stuffed it in the wall. And and I actually had down track insurance on it at the time. I wound up buying. It was a Haas car, and this one I was looking for one to fit a little bit bigger driver. And I bought this one from. Um, Kurt and scott hence from odessa texas and uh it was built in 09 it was the last car before they built uh jim cunningham's 2010 car okay and uh and uh it had less than 100 passes on it so i took the insurance money and went and bought this and i tell you what the car is immaculate it it is people that stand behind it just say it just looks so boring you know, because it just flat out leaves, and I haven't adjusted nothing but tweaked the strut a little bit. You know, and that had a uh, 830 inch mountain motor Pro Stop with a uh, Linko in it. Uh-huh. You know, and uh, and now I have a 632 with a two speed, not a power glide, two speed a okay. transmission <laughs> in it. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, the yeah. Ford guys are always so, like that.
0: You Ford guys are always like, that's yeah, two speed, not a power glide.
1: Yeah, that's right. Just keep it straight. There's no power glide. GM never made a power glide, put it in a fast race car that I ever seen, you know, no performance cars. So they surely didn't build it to go racing with.
0: Right. Right. Uh, well, it, it is interesting. It's a, it's a good point that you make in terms of those mountain motor pro stock guys are violent. Like when they leave, that's mm-hmm. a, that's a violent launch and you know, in retrospect, yep. um, you know it's it's used to that, and it probably does feel a little bit calmed down to that car. I mean, you've got a lot of power yep. going to it, but it's it does probably seem a little bit calm, even for for what the right. thing was used to. Yeah, which is yeah, uh, maybe boring to it, the fans, but good for us, right?
1: You turn around and put the um, put the. Uh nitrous on it right at the hit and there's probably just as much torque as that Foot about the same yeah
2: yeah
0: it's it's similar right so that that makes sense yeah and, and yep. uh now have you always been a, a mustang guy is that is that kind oh of yeah. you're always been well, your thing
1: yep i've always been a ford guy okay so uh, uh i had a probe at one time had one of jerry Hossett's, um, Probes. That was the first. Sorry about that. I got this Henry Butt bit that that uh, <laughs> wants to play, of course, when I'm on the phone with of you. Of course, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, anyhow, yeah, I had a probe, and besides that, always been Mustangs. Okay. okay. Ever since ever, you know, I like to be the the odd odd guy out. I don't want to be. Uh, you know, when I first started racing, I wanted to be that one or two Mustang guy. I didn't want to be that 70 big block Camaro guy. You sure. know
0: what I mean? Yeah, sure.
1: Yep. Yeah. Always well. wanted to be different. And my wife assures me I am different.
0: <laughs> right, right. Uh, well, but and talk a little bit about uh, Karen because she is such an integral part of your, your race program. She's with big you kind. all the time, right?
1: Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, very seldom have I went to the races without her. Uh, only because you know I do usually don't do any good at all because she keeps me. I'm I am comfortable in the car with her on the outside of it. And uh, yep. but I met her. Well, we've been married forever. Uh, probably we've been together for like thirty-eight, thirty-nine years, and I met her at the drag strip. Her dad raced. And, okay. Uh, And, um, we, you know, I, I look at it like this. If you're going to look for white material in your racer, that's where you go shopping at, Yeah. you know, not, not in the bar, not in the coffee shop, right to the racetrack. So, uh, that's where I shopped and, and, you know. I have a story about that, but you don't have time for that. Uh, but, uh, well, anyhow. I just, what I'm doing, I'm thinking
0: right now, I'm like, I wish I would have had that advice uh, 20 years ago is what I, it would have saved me yeah. a couple of divorce attorneys, uh, you know, extra uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, vacation exactly. hours, I think.
1: Right, right. Yeah, I had uh you know, I had a first, you know, I'm on my second marriage, so it didn't take me long to figure, you know, figure that out. So, uh, right, right. I lucked out and figured it out. So she's a, she's great. Absolutely great. And like I said, she, she, she won't admit it, but she is as much or more ate up with this than I am. Uh, she would not admit it. She said, oh, you know, you're the one that's ate up with it. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> but we sat here in the wintertime and growl at each other on each end of the couch because we're bored to death,
2: yeah, you know? Yeah.
1: And, uh, so and she's roaring to go whenever we get ready to go. Or I go, well, maybe we should say, oh, come on, come on, let's go. So uh, she, she'll give you that. But she's, uh, she's a good, she is a excellent uh, wife when it comes to the racing part. And when it comes to anything, she's my girl. But uh, she, is a, uh, she is right with it. I'm envied by many, many, many racers. For sure yeah, yeah yeah well
0: and it is interesting what you said earlier about how you were you're more comfortable in the car when she's she's there um and i i think that goes to how important i mean obviously the the mechanical side of this is uh you know obviously very important but there's also a psychological yep. part of it as well when we're comfortable
2: as drivers exactly. we do better and
0: yep. and uh you know it, it that probably goes a little bit unnoticed i think in the general scheme of things
2: yeah, yeah oh that's... yeah you're you're
1: you definitely got to have your mind where you're at uh and actually where you're at and empty you know yeah. that that's uh the hardest thing i've done through the years is uh make myself not think you know and uh just go out and and read so. gotcha
0: yeah well that's uh that's that's really interesting um well, what, when you're not racing and you have to think what what are you doing when you're not racing?
1: When I'm not racing, it's thinking about the next round and what are you talking about? Uh, life? Or are you? Yeah, I was talking more.
0: I was talking more like life. What do you, What do you do for a living? Well, and how do you pay for all this stuff?
1: I'm a, uh, I'm self employed. I uh, I have an excavating company uh, oh, okay. that does sewer and water hook up to new houses, but the the main thing there is, I am my only employee, so uh, oh. I really have to hustle to get this all to to work and go together. But I'm uh, I have became through the years very efficient at what I do and uh, have a great reputation at it. So uh, and and all the supervisors and companies I work for, they know. I work to race. If I don't race, then I quit. So, uh, (laughs) I can go be a greeter at Walmart, you know, to make my house payment. So, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah, no, that's, that's good. Uh, uh, we have, uh, go ahead.
0: uh, Well, no, that's, that's an interesting way and uh, keeps them on their toes then. Right. They know they, you know, they're going to get you. and,
1: And as long as, right. Long as I do my job, and uh, and don't, you know, string them along because they all have schedules. And as long as I do what I tell them to do, you know, uh, I have no issue out of any of them, any, any job or any supervisor or anything that I've ever worked for. Um, but we have uh, 11 grandkids. And I assure you, uh, between races, there's tons of stuff <laughs> to do uh, there. Tons. Uh, it and, sounds like uh, it. So, so between the business that I take care of and the wife, uh, with the grandkids, we have plenty to do between races for sure. It
0: sounds like it. Yeah. So, and have you, um, gotten any of them into the, uh, the racing or the, any of them juniors or anything like that?
1: Oh yeah. My son was in juniors and, uh, he races, uh, he has a Mustang, of course, my, uh, oldest daughter is married to a racer. And they race she's got a, a Mustang he's got a dragster okay and uh so between they those they're you know those three race, but the rest of the daughters they uh uh one of' them, her my grandson he's in motocross. and uh and the other is getting ready to go in juniors and uh so they're still pretty young and my my golden child, my son's son. He's uh, he's he, he biting at the bit, but he's only six,
2: so okay. <laughs> uh,
1: he he wants to race like bad. bad.
2: Yeah. So,
0: well, good. Yeah, yeah that that's good. Uh, well, there you know that um, having all the family there, uh, supporting and mm-hmm. doing you know doing what you love together is, I mean, invaluable, right? You can't oh, yeah. you can't put a price tag on oh, yeah. that. Well,
2: yeah, uh, absolutely. Well,
0: well, talk to us a little bit about um, the the race here in Charlotte. You got that done. Um, was there any round that you really uh, kind of you kind of thought, "Hey, I'm a, I got a chance here to put this in the winner's circle again?" I mean, how how that race shake out for you in Charlotte?
1: Well, we are uh, we're trying to figure out this new tire, this new compound Hoosier has, mm-hmm. and uh, we fought it in the qualifying. Good first qualifier, then the second qualifier, we got out and shook. So we went in the first round kind of, you know, wondering where we were going and how far we were going. And uh and it worked out for us, had a great run with uh Johnny Brooks, the the division two champ. Yep. We had a great run with him, you know, he was teen and uh I think I was double oh nine and uh dead on six and he was I forget. But if it's Keen or O, I was dead on six. He was dead on eight, and the finish line was five foul. So, uh, so that, that let us, you know, give us a, uh, a start. And then off of that, off of that run, uh, hold on just a second. Mama just got on. <laughs> so uh, with that run, uh, you know, we were able to go on with it, and it was deadly consistent the rest of the week. rest of the weekend and uh had to buy in the semis and uh unfortunately for Lester Johnson I met him twice in the final and uh he's he uh broke has broke both times you know so uh I don't know when he's gonna uh make a race out of it but you know what I'm, I'm i feel bad for him but on the other part, thank you very much. You know what I mean? So <laughs> right, uh, right. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't uh wish anybody breaking but uh I sure will take the the uh win. You know what I mean by yeah, that? And oh, I'm sure, for sure he would feel the exact same thing, exact same way then uh, you know.
0: Yeah, Yeah, absolutely,
1: absolutely, yeah,
0: Lester Lester, um, wants a fair race, but, uh, you know, um, you you take wins, they're hard to come by, man, wins are hard to come by, and so you take them, you know, any way you can get them, truly, but uh, no, that that, that makes perfect
1: sense. That's, uh, you know, all I want to see is a win light, you know, how it happened, you know, uh, a red light is... Just exciting as running dead on zero, you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. A win light is a win light, you know. I'm I'm a happy, happy little boy (laughs) you know
0: well there's only x number of them that you can get throughout the season so when you can get any of them it feels good that's for sure
1: Um, absolutely
2: absolutely
0: well speaking of the rest of the season what's your what's your schedule look like for the rest of the season and you know what what type of goals have you set for yourself this year
1: well we uh started out this year uh the last five years uh paid our entry for three of those five and this year we decided we wanted to go uh we wanted to run all of pdra races because we love that organization love mountain motor mountain motor pro stock uh-huh. uh pro mod you know that that's that's something called i'm a old ihra racer okay. and uh and you know that was something that that we perhaps is just like that yeah, you know what I mean? Yes. So yep. uh was, so what had happened a couple of them was on top of our Division 1 uh races. And uh so we elected to run Division 2 this year and run most of their races. Okay. And then run the PDRA. So we still have um uh shoot a lot PDRA in Division norwalk pdra in division seats of county division uh we have indy national have the second charlotte national and there and we're going to be short one national and i'm not sure what we're going to do there because virginia was canceled right so uh we need to fill in another national and i don't know whether you know i haven't looked at st louis i hadn't looked at chicago you know so those are pretty good ride for us. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to look at those and see where, where we got, I think we total had 22 or 23 races when we started this season. That's a full season. That's oh Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, Believe me. We're ate up with it. (laughs) And still loving, still love it yeah i've um, been doing it a long time but i still love it yeah that's great but, um,
0: well we wish you well and uh, you know congrats on getting that win in charlotte um uh, but uh yeah you'll thank you you know travel safe out there go get some more wins and then uh come back on and talk to us when you get the next one
1: will do i thank you so so much for the interview i uh i had a good time and uh You guys take care.
0: Yep. Guys, girls, that is your former NHRA top sportsman world champ, Ronnie Proctor. Today's Half Track Report is brought to you by DragRaceLawyer.com. Let's start with the NHRA event, the national event that was held in Charlotte this past weekend, the Four wide nationals there. Of course, top sportsmen and top dragster are not held four wide, but that's the event. And, um, you know, we've we've covered that a little, I would say. Um, they did only hold top sportsmen at that event. There were 17 cars that showed up for that event. Your number one qualifier was Derek Brown. He goes a 624-0 at 229 miles an hour for the top spot there. But your winner is was Ronnie Proctor. You just heard him on the show talk about that. Um, Lester Johnson was in the final with him. He couldn't make the call. Lester has uh, seemingly fought some gremlins this year, so it was nice to see him get to the final, and I'm sure he'll be back for sure. Um, Andrew and that team do a very nice job, and I know they'll get the combo dialed in just the way they want it here shortly. Um, so, that is your national event in Charlotte or the NHRA four-wide event. Um, then they also had a double divisional in Enos, Texas. So the first round of that event went like this. There were 30 cars that showed up for the top sportsman event there. 25 of those were in the sixes. So a really nice show. Your number one qualifier was Cameron Wright. He goes 6194 4 at 229 miles an hour for the pole position but your winner is greg lair over vince hoda greg lair pulling gears my man earns his second wally uh, when vince goes red but we'll uh definitely he does it a little bit different i mean he's pulling gears using the clutch um and just a lot of fun to watch greg do that and get that done so Uh, Congrats to Greg Lair. And uh, maybe we'll have to have him on to talk about that win here shortly. Um, On the top dragster side, it was an absolutely monster show out for the long cars. There were 40 rigs that showed up uh, to make that 32 car qualified field. And your number one qualifier was Danny Nelson. He goes 6'10 with a one man um, at 201 miles an hour. (laughs) Uh, my man was on the brakes there to go 6'10 with a 1. Um, so that, you know, Danny gets the number one qualifier. And, you know, 6'10 with 1, he's got plenty of room to sneak it in there, right? He could have gone a little faster. No, no. There were five cars that qualified at 6'10 something. Um, think about that. There, So somebody qualified at 6'10 9 and was the fifth qualifier. Um, 19 of those cars ran in the teens. And your bump... 32. The 32nd spot there was our friend Bob Henry. He goes 637 to round out that field. So there were 32 cars in what is a 27 hundredths of a a second. So that is a tremendous field there. And your winner after all that was Darian Bosch over Dane Ward. Darian has a reaction time advantage and just leads Dane through like like the pro he is for his sixth wally and of course he's last year's world top sportsman champ and he just continues to be a tough out for whatever purple and black vehicle he puts in the beams um so congrats to darian bosch on another uh well-earned victory then they have the second round of that leg so that that's the double you know you uh, pull once race twice on the second side there were 31 cars in top sportsman vince hoda gets the number one spot and your winner is Lance Abbott over David Bills. Now, this final was fantastic. So, uh, think about this. Lance Abbott is dialed a 7 flat to David Bills, 7.03. Lance has a little bit of making up to do on the starting line, even with his 16 light because Bills is double 07. Uh, so, all Lance Abbott uh, needs to do to win that is run dead on zero, which is exactly what he does Bill runs it out to a seven o four one for an 18 pack total, which is no good to Lance Abbott's 16 total. Um, you know, all in the tree there for um, uh, a 2,000 advantage at the stripe. So, congrats to both of those guys on a great race, and congrats to Lance Abbott on his first career win. Uh, then, on the top dragster side, uh, there were 35 cars that entered for that 32-car field. A few people didn't stick around um, as there is no second-chance race, and they kind of figured it out pretty quick. Uh, Michael Kyle was your number one qualifier. He goes 613.6 at 229 miles an hour. Um, the bump back down just a little bit to a 676. Uh, Mike Burns gets that. And your winner is Phil Dion over Scott Barker. Uh, both Dion and Barker had some problems, but Dion gets the win in his first Lucas Oil Drag Racing Series Wally. So nicely done to everybody down there in Texas on the top sportsman and top dragster side. That was a that was just a really good show on both sides of the field there. Then uh, last weekend was the Midwest Drag Racing Series throwdown in T-Town. Um, and I will say this. I don't think the top dragster and top sportsman have really gained the traction that I thought they might. Kind of like the PDRA has. But I do think they're going to get there. Uh, there is the opportunity to be on legitimate TV, which brings the opportunity to bring sponsors, who then bring money, um, and with that money comes better equipment, and with that equipment makes better racing, and with better racing brings more racers. So this kind of feels like to me like uh, the calm before the storm, like the dip in Bitcoin is that it's when it right before it's about ready to make another run. Um, so. You know, I think for the Midwest uh, drag racing series, that's where we're at on the top dragster and top sportsman side because the fields were good. They were uh, 14 and 17 cars respectively, uh, but I know that shortly there are going to be full fields of 32 cars and it's going to be the bump is just going to keep ratcheting down. It's going to be really, really good racing. So um, that is, of course, their outlaw top sportsman and outlaw top dragster Um Series And your number one qualifier on the top sportsman side uh, was Kelvin Brown. He goes 429-7 in the eighth. And your winner was Cody Draper. He is 10 dead on one um, on his 479 dial to beat Terry Pope in the final. So congrats to Kelvin Brown for getting the number one qualifier and Outlaw Top Sportsman. And congrats to Cody Draper on winning Outlaw Top Sportsman. Uh, on the top dragster side, your number one qualifier is Anita Strasburg. Um, she makes a trip from Utah and goes three 3 for the top spot. And your winner uh, is Colton Wheeler over Chase Huffman in the final. Colton is a 30 dead on one to earn his uh, outlaw top dragster crown. I'll have more reports for you next week on the Half Track Report presented by DragRaceLawyer.com. Whoa, let's get out of the groove here for just a second and bring on our next guest. He's from God's country, Evansville, Indiana. He is the president of drag racing operations at AFCO Racing Products. And he was on episode number two of the Fast Frags podcast early, early on. Um, So if you have not heard that, go back to episode number two. Learn all about our next guest. Please welcome back to the show, Eric Saffel. Eric, what is happening
2: today? Rex, thanks for having me. Uh, gosh, it feels like uh, it's been a, a little bit ago that episode number two occurred, but uh, uh, we've, we've had certainly some, some interesting times and a lot of travels in between. So good good to be with you today. Well, time flies
0: when you're having fun, right? So uh, I think that's what that means. Exactly. <laughs> right. Also, also right. when we get a little older, I think that's the other time when uh, time flies.
2: Well, you know, it's interesting. I've got two daughters. And as I see, one of them graduated here from, from college a short while ago, and the other one one's you know, cruise along too. They get older, but I stay the same. So I don't know what that means. At least that's what's <laughs> happening between my ears. Right.
0: Yeah, no, no doubt. Um, well, uh glad to have you back. And let's let's talk a little racing and let's talk about um specifically um you know what, what you are doing at AFCO and to help uh, get power to the pavement. Um you guys have had I know, been uh, you know on the front lines with this stuff. You um, released a new uh, a new product earlier this year. Do you want to talk a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, appreciate the opportunity. Uh, you know, I, I think to kind of frame things up a little bit. It, it sure, at least appears to me, there have been some big gains in other parts of the race car. You know, torque converter, driveline, horsepower. I mean, you know, we're, we're we're developing a good bit more horsepower. Yep. Um, with that, you know, the bar gets raised, the competition's quicker. We've got to accelerate these cars and, and get the mass moving faster. And so with that, you, you've got to control that, 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 that energy, that torque, and that's where the shock comes into play. And and we have launched uh, a four-way adjustable shock to, to help, you know, fine tune what we're trying to do with the rear suspension. And so, you know from you know from the top down i guess the four way shock is a shock that we can independently fine tune low speed adjustment from high speed adjustment both on compression and and rebound and and so from that perspective the baseline to all this shocks are timing devices they're they're a hydraulic device that yep. you know when you're soft the suspension can move more quickly when they're firm And as you stiffen them up, um, it slows everything down. And, you know, as you develop more horsepower, we need to have better control and, and you need to have control that is, um, very predictable. And in this case, what we're able to do is you can, you can stiffen up, let's say the low speed side of a shock and it not have any effect on the high speed or vice versa. So you can, you can go in there instead of having just a double adjustable shock, we can, really get into it and go next level with it. So, you know, kind of from the top, that's how it looks.
0: Yeah, well, I think that's getting more and more important, right? As, um, you know, we're trying to make fields, especially for top sports and top dragster class, where um, we're trying to make fields. And certainly we go in with a baseline setup, but who knows what happens over the course of the, the weekend in terms of weather, track prep, whatever it might be um or just Mm. or just guys that are you know maybe running nitrous or whatever they're going hey listen i got to throw another gun at this thing and and now that's going to impact us um and just having more tunability is is a big deal right i mean are you i I mean i'm guessing i'm guessing the response to these things is really really
2: good you know we've got to keep the tire round you've got to keep the tire happy and so when you can, when you can provide a little bit more technology to, to do that, that, you know it, it certainly is an advantage. Um, that acquisition has become so important, and as we know from you know engine management, but right through the drive line and, and, and to the rear suspension. And so, uh, when you're when you're talking
1: about running,
2: you know heads up stuff, you you need to be quick at every segment. You can't give up anything to the sixty. And then you have to accelerate that thing through. So when you're looking at your data and you think, okay, I want this car. uh, You know, I don't know how people tune their cars, but, you know, we kind of look at a good representative run. If you and I are going to go out and make a lap in your car and we find that after a series of runs, this car seems to work well. If the car is squatting, compressing the shocks, three quarters of an inch for let's say the first 100 feet. Mm -hmm. Well, you go out and make a couple of runs, and if your data doesn't show that, now we can get in and, and you can isolate low speed from high speed with these four ways. You can, you know, if the car didn't squat as much, because maybe there's not as much traction out there, we could soften up the low speed and get this thing, you know, get the initial movement of the rear suspension happening a little bit quicker and start to get momentum, you know, down toward the racetrack and start to get that car down you know and and digging and then you can go into the low speed rebound side hold that thing down without affecting high speed if you get into the high speed too stiff and the car wants to slip a little bit spin a little bit now you could ratchet the car down and and that's where in this instance this example when you can isolate low speed rebound from high speed rebound you, you can eliminate the car ratcheting if the thing gets into tire shake. I mean, I think that's one of the things we've seen. You can drive through tire shake if you can isolate or, and, and, and separate low speed from high speed. Right, right.
0: Well, you talked about drivability and keeping the tire happy too. And, um, you know, for our classes, when you, you're trying to make decisions on the top end, it's got to be drivable on the top end too. And sometimes you can muck that up a little bit with how you adjust on the you know down low as well so that to me that um it speaks to me in terms of uh being able to drive through uh, maybe some tire shake that you didn't quite get the setup right on and then also the drivability on the top end like it's uh you know it it gets me excited well and the only reason it gets me excited because it helps me as a driver right it's a driver aid
2: it can be Mm, it can um, be i mean and you know the the faster we go the more we want to feel comfortable you know, down through there, and you'd rather your car feel into the racetrack than up on top of it. So to what you'd said a second ago, if we look at the compression side, and, you know, we want to run the the low speed a certain way to control how the car's coming down, you could still go in and isolate the high speed so that if you, you know, if you get into a, a down track situation where you're driving through, a dip or driving over a bump you can still run that high speed pretty soft and let the suspension kind of absorb that right. and not upset the chassis whereas the traditional double adjustable shock wherever you've got that thing set the low and the high speed are tied together so if you're kind of running the the compression kind of firm because you got a bunch of hit in the car and you want to control how much this thing squats it's going to slow the thing down that you know gets your your squat dimension or your distance but what comes with that is a is a pretty firm high speed setting that, that right. may cause the car to zip, zip the tire a little bit you know through that dip or over that bone
0: no that makes perfect sense um and this is the type of stuff that just i, I get uh, geeked out on i mean you know in general terms we're supposed to just drive cars in a straight line but, um, you know, when it comes yeah. to this stuff and getting really into um, how that thing drives, I mean, mechanically speaking, uh, it, it's, it's really cool. The progression that we've made and, and specifically you guys have made on uh, a shock, a four-way shock is, you know, will we ever get to the point where we see like an eight-way shock or a 12-way shock? Or is this, have we kind of gotten close to uh, the, the max effort on these shocks?
2: Yeah, it, it's it's what 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 the future holds. You know, might be a little hard to to kind of predict. Um, right now, I think the the, the the what's the here and the now is the four way shock that that we need to get out and and, and work with more people on. You know, recently sure. at an event, had an opportunity to work with both big tire and small tire guys with the four ways, and whether you're running the car to separate you know, there's an advantage or whether you're running the car to squat, there's an advantage. And, and that was kind of cool because depending upon where we were in the pits, you're thinking, okay, this car runs to separate. So, you know, let's let's kind of flip the, the script on what we were just talking about. Sure. Work, work this side of the shock a little bit, you know, and then when the car's in separation, to, just to kind of follow through, if the car's trying to separate first, you can then maybe to help hold it up, give it a little more low speed compression to help keep it propped up but keep the high speed compression again light so that if it drives through a dip or over a bump it doesn't upset so there's certainly advantages to both types of setup here whether you're running the car with a bunch of anti-squat to make it separate or you're running this car to squat like a traditional big tire does there's there's some really cool things and the flip side is i think you really need to have data on the car to truly take maximum benefit of of this extra setting or two settings that you have so keeping in perspective you know we just want to make sure that we're on you know we're we're on track there
0: yeah well i think eventually maybe someday eric we will have the perfect uh drag race surface right it'll be perfectly smooth and perfectly tacky but until then we're going to have to deal with uh you know adjustments shock adjustments specifically in order to make our cars go down the track correctly I mean, but uh you know a yeah, guy can dream right a guy can dream about the perfect track well
2: i i think yeah i, I would certainly agree with that i i, I don't know that i'd necessarily want to see that because that might not miss necess- it may not make it necessary to have better suspension components <laughs> so you know the, the shot guys over here is going nah, i don't think i want that <laughs> right. i want to have it tricky i want to have a couple of dips and a bumps and i, I want to have the surface a little bit a little bit iffy so not everybody can hit the up arrow and go fast
0: well that's a good job security for you is what you're saying
2: well, did, I, did it come through quite like that? Because I really wasn't sure what it would be. Like,
0: selfish. <laughs> well, here's what I think. I think you uh, and all shock manufacturers are in really good shape in terms of uh, the racing market moving forward. Because, you know, let's assume we all go electric vehicles tomorrow, right? I mean, I don't, you know, it, it's obviously not going to be that, but it, let's talk it way down right. the line. Well, then the biggest tuning. Uh, Item we'll have will be in the suspension right the engine tuning will go Mm -hmm. away a little bit and so it'll be more important to have good uh suspension than than uh not and you even see it now you know even bracket guys are are understanding how important having uh consistent shocks and I, i i was guilty of at one point in time, of neglecting my shock package, and it impacted me. Mm-hmm. And and uh, never again, never again. How about that? Is I will I will not neglect my shock package uh, going forward because it bit me um, on a time when the car was really really good and I really wasn't screwing up, and it bit me. And so that's on me. Right. But uh, you know, right. so well.
2: My, my perspective, top to bottom. You know, top director, top sportsman to, you know, uh, somebody that's going to hit hit the tree at the, on the bottom, uh, competition continues to just become Ooh. killer. I mean, you, you know, we, we can talk about, you know, uh, top dragster, top sportsmen and, and what you guys are doing, uh, and how competitive you are and how little, you know, stripe we're taking running six ten or six twenties or forties. But at the other end of this perspective, you're going to go, so you're going to go six twenties in the eight and these guys are double O and everybody's death and right. What they're taking on the at the stripe is is incredible. So you can't give up anything anymore. I mean, not not if you want to be in the game. So if you're going to tow right. someplace and unload, your stuff better be dead on. It, you can't give it up.
0: Well, and to that, uh, yeah, you got to be even careful about how you load the car anymore, right? So you don't uh, don't show up with worn out shocks just from the tow, even at this point. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know what. Um, you know, you recommend in terms of uh, towing guidelines and that stuff, but but that's important and, you know, something that we probably didn't talk about 20 years ago.
2: It, it really is. You know, I, I personally recommend everybody buys two sets of, of four-way shocks, one to just tow to get there and one <laughs> to race on. Of course. Uh, but, we love that job security. But no, really, we, we, we wear that stuff out getting to the racetrack. It's not going down the six sixty or thirteen twenty or right. thousand foot or whatever. Uh, so yeah, you you want to you want to make sure that when you tow the car, it's it's not bouncing around. Uh, years ago on an open trailer, I, I switched uh, I switched haulers, and for fifteen miles, I, I followed mine down the road. We stopped. And I got out. and First thing I did is reach the shocks. Reach for the shocks they were already warm and you know, it's because I didn't have the back of the car tied down. I just had ratchet straps over the housing. So yeah, I let's, let's tie these things down so that they're not flopping around and and we'll get a lot more life out of shocks. Now shocks do degrade over time. Um, and so there's a whole other, you know, there's a whole other part of the conversation that, that, you know, that we can talk about at some point, maybe about, uh, servicing, maintenance things of that nature. But, you know, again, you don't want to tow 500 miles to an event and get your stuff worn out before you get there. And then it won't back the number up. Right.
0: Right. No, that's a, that's a great point. Um, And yeah, we'll, we'll have to talk about uh, maintenance on another show because uh, I I do want to, before I I let you go, I want to talk with you a little bit about what you're doing personally. Um, And you kind of were in a uh, unique project um, with, was it drag week? I
2: think it was. It, yeah uh it's funny that you mentioned that uh, summit uh racing is sponsoring uh, a midwest drag a drag week this year it starts okay. at it starts at the track at norwalk uh, you know in a similar format to the to the big drag week you make runs through the day when you realize there's determines you've gone as quick as you can go you take that same vehicle you drive it to the next facility which we're going to go to edgewater for day two okay same thing make make your hits until you know you've 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 maximized what you can do and then our third stop takes us to uh uh, orp there in indianapolis and uh you know we make hits and then and then back to norwalk well through all this you've got to drive the vehicle that you race so there's you know, the thing has to make good laps within its class, and then it has to be roadworthy and yep. not break down and, you know, not need service and whatever. Uh, we're not doing it in a traditional, what you might think a traditional car might be. It's, it's not a, a Mustang. It's, it's not a Camaro. It's not a Chevelle. It's what? a 1989 Ford Ranger. So uh, <laughs> that, everybody's kind okay. of thinking, eh. yeah, that's a little odd. Well, truck's been a race truck its nearly its entire life, and in this category, we've got a three fifty eight Roush Cup engine uh, going in this unit, and uh, in the class we're going to run, which is an NA class, we, we we believe that we can go nine O's okay. pretty, pretty consistently. Um, the nuance with this. Is we're going to try to do this whole thing on a 315 radial, uh, you know. Some guys have a trailer, some guys pull stuff behind, but we're going to. Our plan is to strap the, the 315s on and not take them off. Just race them, drive them, and and rock and roll with them. So okay, uh, that's the kind of the twist there. Okay, that combo.
0: Okay, I got it. And and have you made any hits with it so far? I mean, you kind or where are we at in the process, the build process here?
2: we, we haven't made any hits in this configuration. Um, this truck ran down at lights out with a different engine in DXP street. And, uh, I think we went, we went five twenty on the third pass and, uh, you know, and just ran out of time effectively at that event. We, we, we ran into a buzzsaw number one qualifier who had been running the class for a couple of years and just, uh, you know, we just need more time. So with the different sure. engine combination, you know, this, this, this truck, it's certainly capable in that config to go five Oh. So we've got more than a capable unit here to, to carry us to go nine Oh, in this configuration, I think we're going to try to make some hits with it for the weekend before. So we're cutting it close. We're going to be a little <laughs> tight, but um, you know, as in all things or a lot of things, sometimes you, you never want to test at the race but we could be making our first competitive laps at day one and we'll just sort it out you know yeah so.
0: when it um, well you got a couple more weeks or when did, when do they run that eric
2: we we have to be at the track in norwalk memorial day monday and uh so that's coming up pretty quick okay well you better stop talking to me coming and
0: get to work quick. because uh that yeah <laughs> that is right around the corner um Well, good. Um, Certainly appreciate your time uh, coming back on with us. You know, we're not, uh, you know, not even going to bring up the fact that you are a former Roadster lover. We're not even going to talk about that. We're just going to appreciate the greatness that is you and uh, and this the the uh, the conversation that you had
2: for coming on. Let me tell you, I I hear you. I, I see your posts. You're always on the Roadster guys, and. You know, I started in a door car and but the one thing I will tell you, and I don't know if you've ever sat down in a roadster but or or made a lap in a dragster, but the first time I ever sat down in the roadster, of course it felt different, it was weird. But once you get acclimated to that field of vision, then jump in a door car. It's completely different. i I, I had been running the roadster, I don't know, maybe three three or four years. Make, got the chance to make a lap in a door car, a third gen Camaro, and man, I was claustrophobic. Uh, get in, fire the thing up all at once. I mean, I've got Lexan that's got scratches, and I've got a pillars roll cage, all this in front of me, and I'm like, dude, just hold it together. Get up here and let go of the button, you know. And, <laughs> and uh, it was, it was just a little different because when you look out there and you don't have anything in front of you, I was thinking, this is cool. You know, well, this is what I was was missing. So I'm I'm saying Rex probably needs to look at that and give that an opportunity, just once. Eric, I understand
0: the uh, reasoning behind roadsters, just like I understand that kale is good for me. I understand <laughs> both of those things, and I don't have to like either one. So um, I appreciate your comments. Uh, I'm good. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, I understand.
2: Yeah. Um, you can't, you can't, can't, can't get everybody to drink the water. I, I know. Understand. No.
0: Um, guys, girls, that was the great Eric Saffel, uh, president of drag racing operations at AFCO Racing Products, if you need him. All right, as we hit the mile per hour cone, we don't talk about the two-wheeled guys and girls very much on this program, but the pro-stock motorcycles got down in Charlotte this past weekend, especially in qualifying session number two on Saturday. Let me set the stage here for you. The session starts with Hector Arana Jr. resetting Matt Smith's national speed record record going 6.803 at 201.79 miles per hour. So Hector Ron Jr. has got to feel good about that. He resets the national record. Nicely done to myself. Yeah, uh, no, not for long because Matt Smith and teammate Andrew Hines were having none of giving up the national record. So what they did is they went a pair of 677 threes with Hines posting mile per hour of 6 or 202.15 miles per hour and Matt Smith retaining his rightful place in the world as the record holder with a 202.18 mile per hour. So just barely but extremely impressive and in Matt Smith's mind he's got to be thinking, "Hey, I I lost the record, sure, but I got it back less than five minutes after I lost it and, and I got it back in the very first chance I could to earn it back. So no sweat. Good for me. I am rightfully back in the record holder position. Oh, by the way, those were the only 202 mile per hour runs in the history of the class. So, you know, things are good. And then Eddie Craywick staged up and ripped off a 6.785 ET at 203.37 mile per hour run. He destroys the class mile per hour record by a full mile per hour that had just been set and by two full mile per hours, which the record has been for the past several years. So this was by far the best session of Pro Stock Motorcycle that has ever been seen with four of the fastest passes in its history being recorded and five of the uh, fastest 10 passes ever. Uh, Steve Johnson ultimately grabbed the Wally from all those high mile per hour guys on Sunday, but the whole class put on an absolute show in Charlotte. And I give those guys and girls a bunch of credit 200 miles per hour on a two-wheeled machine is an amazing display of ability and uh, i wish all those competitors well as they get very comfortable in that 200 mile per hour zone and congrats to eddie Kraywick on being the new national record holder for the fastest mile per hour in pro stock motorcycle at 203 miles or 203 at miles per hour. All right, let's bring this thing back in. Let's take a peek, if we can, in the other lane. Let's do it. Let's take the stripe. Guys, girls, that is the show. It is time to pull the shoots on episode number 68. And there it is. Of course, the 68th consecutive win light and... The sweet, sweet sounds of Gloria. Guys, girls, we had a great week this week. Um, A, we got our hands, I think, around this left lane driving issue, although it is absolutely confusing. Um, We had two great guests on. We had Ronnie Proctor, the NHRA top sportsman world champ. We had Eric Saffel, the AFCO Racing Products Drag Racing Director. And we talked a little Pro Stock Motorcycle for the first time in a long time, so that was good. Uh, if you have comments, questions, or curse words for me, you know there are three ways to get at me. Uh, first, on the Facebook page using Messenger, you can hit me up there. Uh, you can hang out in the left lane until I get tired of it and just ram into your back bumper. And you can use the email fast at outlook.com. Guys, girls, I hope you enjoyed it. Please, please share the Facebook page and sign and contribute and keep our sport active and safe. Um, And also keep the rubber side down and travel safe.
1: Great show number 68's in the books uh
2: so let me get this straight <laughs> roadsters is at the same level as kale
0: yeah absolutely i mean i i understand both of their functions in life um but i dislike them equally as much um yeah it, I don't like kale. I don't like roadsters. It's fine. Um, those who do, it's fine. I'm sure it's healthy and good for everybody who does. It's just not my style, nor will it ever be my style. And as far as I'm concerned, um, the the tree huggers can have their kale and you know the
2: roadster guys can have their roadsters and we can all live in harmony and sing Kumbaya.